But it can't happen. But I think, okay, hold on. I got to go kill the dog. How does Mo feel about it? He's You're like, shut up, dad. You're done. I'm, 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 in the, I'm in the is center. He, is he tired of your anti-Trump rhetoric? Yeah, he's probably, <laughs> like, come on, you guys. He's not that bad. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Extemporaneous. This is a podcast where I come up with ideas, I do some research, I grab a bottle of wine, and I present everything to Mark and he pontificates. This week, we will be talking with guests. This is the first time we've done this with guests, and you're going to be able to tell because the sound situation, not ideal. But we will be getting better at it as time goes by, and we appreciate you hanging in there with us. Um, So we have two guests, Mike and Lori, and they are going to talk with us about why we hate both parties, which actually turned into why we really hate Trump, Mike and Christina hate the Clintons, or don't hate them, but just really kind of don't like them at all, and white nationalism. So, as always, I mean, it should just be extemporaneous white nationalism. So anyway, we hope that you enjoyed this podcast. We certainly enjoy making them for you. We appreciate you coming back every week to listen to us. Please, if you do like us, share with a friend. We would appreciate the extra listeners. Okay, you guys. So as I said in the introduction, we have some minor sound issues. It's um, We did a Zoom call and it was a little bit dodgy, especially my audio for some reason. Um, so we appreciate you hanging in there with us for this. Um, we'll hopefully be getting better at it. Um, and Mark, let's tell them a little bit about our guests. Well, apparently they're a little dodgy. I'll tell you that right from the get-go. Wait, what? No. Isn't that what you said? No, the sound quality is Well, yes, but we all know what that's code for. No, it's the sound quality. It's the sound quality. Sound quality is dodgy. How long have you known Mike? Mike is your Uh, friend? Well, I mean, let's not go too far there. No, of course. We've been I've known Mike since uh, college, uh, which was well over five years ago. Um (laughs) Mike and I also shared an apartment after we graduated. Um, uh, Mike has a lot of expertise in uh, educational programs and urban revitalization. And he was actually in the military for a while. He was a philosophy major, just like me. Well, I mean, not just like me. Obviously, you can tell us apart. But um, (laughs) (laughs) we both went to uh, William & Mary. Uh, and, uh, he's generally a thoughtful and reasonable person, Mm -hmm. except when he disagrees with me. Okay. So Lori is a friend that I, I met her, um, online as a matter of fact, in a a forum. But you say she's not dodgy. No, she's not dodgy. Not at all. No. Um, we bonded over a similar, um, online interest in a forum as one did in, in those days. This was like back in 2008. And we um, became friends, and now we are in real life friends. So I've I've met you know I've met her in person, and actually she is a part of a, a group of seven, seven ladies who are on a like a pen pal circle with with us. And I've met, I guess two of them, I think I've met two of them in person, and the rest I haven't met in person. It's like you have an entire secret life. I have an entire secret. You have life. like a whole other family. <laughs> I have an entire secret life. There's so much stuff you don't know about me. Oh, what I have you no don't doubt. know about me could fill. Volumes. Volumes. All right. right, So we're going to launch into the uh, political discussion, and um, we'll talk to you afterwards. Welcome to another episode of Extemporaneous. And tonight we are trying something new. We are including some guests into our um, podcast. And we have uh, Laura and Mike here. And uh, Mike, why don't you first introduce yourself? And then Laura, you can go ahead and introduce yourself. Uh, I'm Mike Kimsey. I run a, our family foundation for a number of years involved in education and the arts in Washington, D.C. I am Lori Britannia, and I'm located in Bend, Oregon. And I uh, just have been viewing politics and have to say I'm pretty disgusted. Thank you. Thank you for joining us, you guys. We really appreciate it. Um, And actually, this topic was a topic that Mike suggested. It is, I hate both parties. Well, Mike, you know what? Since it's your your idea, why don't you tell us why you hate both parties? Oh, wow. No pressure. Um... Or do you hate both parties? 
Yeah. Uh, and, you know, I, I think it's sort of, it was sort of a long process. I, I never really thought too much about politics um, 15, 20 years ago. And I started paying more and more attention, trying to figure out sort of where I figured I might belong. And the more I looked, the more I listened, the more I watched, I realized that politicians pretty much lie all the time. Uh, I came to the conclusion there's really two requisites to be a politician nowadays. You have to know how to lie and you have to know how to beg for money. So I, I just came to the conclusion that um, actually more recently that you know, both part, I do believe that there's a duopoly. Uh, I, I think that there's really a game of keeping a ton of money in politics. And now I, I think that media, it's been shown that media is pretty much involved in that game. And as long as they can keep people stirred up, they get more and more money and to just sort of feed the political industry. And so it makes me a little frustrated and makes it difficult to know what politician you can trust. Well, when I first started voting, I was registered as an independent, and what I quickly realized uh, in my naivete uh, state that I was in is that my vote did not matter in the primaries, and so it's I switched over to uh, being registered as a Democrat, but um, with great reservation because truly i believe and it's it's never been more apparent than it is today that we've gone either too far right or too far left and there's no middle of the road and i am actually more of a centrist in my belief system and how i think things should be run and i wholeheartedly agree with mike that uh, there's too much money involved um, there are too many special interest groups uh, that politicians have to pay attention to and reward once they are re elected, and that just opens up a whole host of issues. And um, I do, you know, I did a little bit of research, tiny little bit of research uh, before joining us today. And one of the things that I think um, is kind of a positive. Uh, positive thing that's happening is that there are um, states that are adopting the nonpartisan primary systems, and I think that that will really help. I think it should be nationwide, and I just feel like as we move forward, as the um, very uh, stout and devoted um, partisan um, voters are aged out or, you know, die off in, in a very blunt way of saying that, that we are going to have more independent thinking and more independent candidates. And we actually have, um, you know, there's some party affiliation statistics that I looked at. And in November 2004, 27% of the population was registered independent, 38% Republican and 35% Democrat. And in May of 2020, 40% independent, and then 25% Republican and 31% Democrat. So with those statistics, how well do you think that 40%, the majority of the party holders um, of the registered parties is being represented? pretty much not at all. And that, that is not a good thing. That needs to change. I, I couldn't agree with you more. I am, um, but Mark, what let, do you wanna jump in? Because I, I don't think you hate both parties. Uh, I will, why don't you go first and then I will play <laughs> the role of uh, a conqueror. Oh God. March across uh, okay. the battlefield and you know, dispatch all the uh, wounded soldiers. Oh my God. Okay. Well, here's my thinking. Um, we obviously are, because of the way that our, our electoral system is set up, we are forced to have a two-party system. There's never going to be a viable third-party candidate. That's just never going to happen simply because of the way that we vote and, um, you know, winner takes all. Um, but I agree with you, uh, Laura and Mike, to say that that it's just it's disheartening right now um, to see what's happening and that it feels as if things have become so extreme. But 
Lord, can you give that statistic again? How many are 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 uh, registered as what percentage are registered as independent now? Forty percent as of May. Vers versus how much on either on the the two 20, sides? Twenty five percent for Republican and thirty one percent for Democrat. So. The thing is, there's a big chunk of us in, in the middle or in, that, that would probably be consider ourselves more centrist. And that's really where I fall as well. Um, with, with I mean, I, I tend to lean left on social issues. Um, and those have become, I mean, obviously those are, those are very hot button issues right now. Um, so a left leaning centrist is, is probably going to go with like a Biden. But I think that, um, that large center port portion is not being served. And I wonder if now is the time that we're gonna see something happen like the disintegration of the Republican party. Um, because let's face it, there, the, the number of Democrats or people who would vote Democrat because of they, it, that, that side, the left really suits their, their needs the best. Um, th that's growing and it's just going to continue to grow in terms of percentage of population. And I think at a certain point here, the Republican party is, is, is just going to implode or become obsolete. And I think then we may see the rise of, an, of a new party that will be addressing more centrist issues. Um, that would be my hope, but I don't know. So Mark, what, what do you have to say? Uh, first of all, neither the Republican nor Democrat Party are going to either implode, disintegrate, or die anytime in the foreseeable future. They're just way too entrenched, and as Christina rightly pointed out, the way we vote, the winner-take-all model, is almost always going to yield a two-party. What those two parties are you know, is, it can vary, but I don't think we're going to see a bull moose party, you know, rise up anytime soon and it didn't um, work it, for it didn't work for roosevelt anyway yeah it, and it would have to be exactly so and it would have to be like just some extreme cult of personality thing which like we're seeing right now with it, this last election cycle was an anomaly in a lot of ways where you really got someone elected who does not reflect the party that they came from in a reliable way he, Trump has no ideology other than Trumpism. So he adopted all these positions, but, you know, in a very surface way, he doesn't give a crap about abortion. He doesn't care about, you know, gun rights. He, you know, he doesn't care about anything other than, you know, enriching himself and self-aggrandizement. So uh, I don't think we're going to, I don't think realistically we can expect to see that anytime soon. Like, I don't think there's nearly enough people to form a progressive party. You'll have a progressive wing of the Democratic Party, but that those numbers are not as big as, you know, people, the media would seem to portray, right? It's a pretty small slice of the Democratic Party. Most people are, like some of you here have said, are kind of in the middle, right? They're, and, but that includes the Democratic Party. I would also argue that the Democratic Party is not very far left, not compared to the rest of the world. Biden's not a Biden's not a progressive, right? He's he's a he's a fairly conservative or at least moderate liberal. Um, Obama was not a progressive. He was, you know, he's pretty close to the center. You do have an anomaly right now in the White House with a president that has no political philosophy whatsoever. I would argue that the two-party system has some benefits, and those benefits are largely it keeps the country from swinging from policy to policy. Uh, it keeps the, uh, the rhetoric and the policies pretty close to the center. Obviously, you know, it's all relative, right? We think that, uh, you know, uh, having social, socialized medicine is a huge radical change, right? The rest of the world doesn't. So to us, that's a big change. But in reality, it's just, you know, a, a little jump to the left, right? Um, and uh, I, would, I think that the two-party system is built for consistency and economic growth. That's what, this, that's what this system is good at. That's why we have the largest economy in the world, because we are kind of, we vary a little bit this way, a little bit that way. But for the most part, we are 
predictable, which is what business is like. We are uh, conservative in the terms of, you know, social policy changes and changes to our tax code. We're not going to uh, drastically increase corporate taxes. That is unlikely to happen. So it's, it's boring. It is hard to get uh, to filter down to individual needs sometimes, but it's built for success for the country overall, for the economy overall. And that may be not what we want it to do, but that's what it's built to do, in my opinion. I think both parties, of course they're terrible, but you know what, they've been terrible for a hundred years. All politicians have been terrible. Yeah, Mike is correct in that the current system seems to allow magnified terribleness, right? It allows them to have a large voice on social media. There's many more sources of revenue for them. But unfortunately for us, the Supreme Court has decided that businesses are entitled to free political speech and therefore they get a disproportionate uh, impact on policies through their donations. Uh, but that, uh, oh, by the way, uh, just to sound smart, that was Duverger's law, right? Duverger's law is the- Duverger, uh, <laughs> yes. Yes. Rule, we're ultimately going to have a two-party system regardless of, you know, which two parties that would happen to be. Yeah, I can see that. That seems like a natural progression, particularly with the Constitution that we have. Yeah. Um, you know, with, and particularly with the winner-take-all. I, I think we're just, yeah, we're, I mean, we're lamenting it in, in the sense that the loudest people out there, which tend to be on the extremes, are the ones who get the attention in the primaries. So you get a lot of promises towards these extremes. I mean, we, we saw that in the VP debate where they're trying to figure out what, what is it that you know, the Biden-Harris or uh, team is promising. And you know, we don't know. And of course- Mostly they're just promising not to be Trump, I think. Yeah, no, that's all they're doing. That's their big not deal. To be Trump. It's like, we're not Trump, just vote for us, we'll be okay. No, I, I, just, I just feel like we, we don't get our best candidates. I mean, I mean, just look, who they put out. I mean, I, I never would have imagined, nobody would have imagined Trump winning. I mean, and to me, Trump winning speaks more about both parties than it does about Trump. Uh, I mean, just how disillusioned most people in this country must have been to elect somebody like Trump. I mean, it's incredible. And, and look who the Democratic Party put forward for their candidate. If, if I thought he was a nice guy who turned you know, like he's just losing his mind now, then I would be say one thing, but I don't think it was a nice guy. I think it's an act. And they still put him forward. The guy is, cannot think right now. And they still put him forward as a candidate. That's insane. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, they needed, they knew that they needed a strong candidate to beat Trump, right? Because of his popularity with the Republican party, which basically has not fallen off that much, a little bit like boomers are voting uh, a good proportion of the percentage of the boomers who voted for Trump are disillusioned. And now that they're, now they're going to be voting for Biden, um, according to the polls. And, um, and yet, you know, the, the best we could come up with was someone who is clearly only a one-term president if he is elected, and we're hoping he lives for that, right? So we're basically voting for Kamala. Um, so it, it's just, it's, the DNC made so many mistakes in 2016, and we were really hoping they would get their shit together before 2020, and they sure as hell did not. And I think it's just because Trump is such a freaking train wreck that uh, Biden is going to win, and Biden at least seems like the safer option. And I agree with you, um, Mark, that he is more centrist. Um, but I think as... And I'm looking in the future, right? You're looking at today. I'm looking at the future. And I truly believe that the Republicans are a dry, dying breed. There are younger, you know, Republicans coming up, but disproportionately so compared to independent and Democrat. And, um, and so when that, when that generation, the greatest generation, the boomers who still vote for Trump, when they die off, it's going to change things unless the Republican Party changes. I also disagree with you when you say that the policies don't shift very much. The first thing Trump did was come in and reverse all of Obama's policies that he put in place. 
And so that's where you, you swing the pendulum to the right, and then we're going to swing it back to the left, because the first thing that they're going to do when Biden gets elected, and I'm saying when, because he is getting elected, is that he is going to reverse all of Trump's policies, and I wholeheartedly believe they're going to stack the Supreme Court. I mean, they have to. The, the Republicans have just gone back on their word from 2016 they have completely you know we've got this extremely conservative court we have barrett who is as ridiculously far right as you could possibly have for a judge i mean she's fucking scary and we have to counter that because otherwise we are losing our rights you know i am the mother of uh, a woman who is married to another woman and I am, um, I believe in, you know, marriage equality. I believe in protection for people who are, are different and sought out and persecuted. And, you know, we've had that even in Bend, Oregon. We had um, a young man who was out walking at night in Bend, which is supposed to be this safe little town, and Proud Boys almost killed him, and they left him naked, and the police resuscitated this poor young man. And, um, you know, this just happened uh, a week ago, and I have family members who are African American, and they're afraid. They're afraid to actually have even a peaceful protest or a kickback, a barbecue in a park because of the far right, because we have a president who let the fucking dogs out. He gave people who are white supremacists. He gave people who are racist. He gave people who are um, not accepting of anyone different than themselves uh, a voice and um and has unleashed them on our communities and it's horrific which, which one i'm angry them? i'm freaking angry <laughs> <laughs> and so yeah i disagree with you mark we went way too far to the right trump has had some very drastic changes in very micro ways right where he's uh, a sheriff who has committed uh you know heinous crimes against criminals and he pardons him, right? But that, and that's, it's, it's egregious and it's drastic and it's, you know, un, you know, unimaginable four years ago, but small effect. I don't think he's actually managed to move the pendulum all that far. He, he, he went after the American uh, or the, uh, uh, the ACA, right? The uh, Obamacare. He hasn't managed to do a single thing to stop Obamacare, nothing. It, now it's going to go back up before the Supreme Court, maybe with uh, the addition of, uh, you know, uh, the uh, current nominee that, you know, that could change somewhat, but he hasn't really managed to swing really that much. His ideas and his pronouncements are very radical, but in practice, they haven't even worked their way through the system yet. And I think that, assuming you're correct, and that the Biden correction happens, they're definitely not going to be put into effect. What Trump showed us, if nothing else, is that there is a significant sex uh, segment of the U.S. population <laughs> that is absolutely 100% okay with white nationalism. Oh, God, that, here we go. Here we what? go. Oh, what are you talking God. about? Here absolutely. we go. This is always ends up with white about? nationalism. Where do you Every get that information from? Time. Mark, my God. I mean, it is like, it's the trope. It is the Mark trope, which is everything has to come down to white nationalism. Yes. Yeah, that's where correct. do you get, I mean, where's your data point on that? Trump has shown oh, himself Jesus to be Christ. a virulent racist. He, that How? is at least one belief system he has. A is, virulent one. Where is this okay. information coming from? Um, well, I could quote it. Uh, I don't want blacks to count my money. I want Jewish guys with yarmulkes to count my money. Um, he was sued context. by the federal government uh, for housing discrimination uh, in, in the seventies for, uh, redlining, right. For not allowing, we're not renting to blacks. Uh, he, uh, was a primary mover in the, uh, uh, Obama is an African movement, right. The, the birther conspiracy. The birther conspiracy. That, that is that. fantastically racist. Okay. Why? 
It was stupid. I agree it was stupid. Well, I mean, he's uh, he touts conspiracy theories. That's what he does. And his, you know, his followers don't do enough research to figure out that they're false. And he, he touts eugenics. I mean, he did that as recently as his Minnesota speech. Yeah, that's true. He looks out at his almost exclusively He's white audience. Thir- the thoroughbred. Uh, you guys have to, you guys have to send me some, some links on this stuff. Yes. He, he looks out at his vastly white Minnesota audience, you, yeah, you betcha, and says, you guys have good genes. That's why you're here. You have good genes. Because he believes in eugenics. He absolutely does. He thinks that his gene his gene pool is superior. But that's that percentage of the United States exists and it exists to varying degrees. Not everybody is out there in the KKK or the Proud Boys, um, but they know Donald Trump is racist, like everybody does. He gives you a dog whistle a week to show how racist he is. And if you are lockstep approving of a candidate who is, has shown himself to be a racist, you might be a little racist, right? You, and that doesn't mean that you wanna you know, go back to slavery, or it doesn't mean that you think we should do mass deportations, although many of them do. That was a very popular, uh, you know, policy he had. He tried to implement, but you are definitely okay with a certain amount of racism. Well, I mean, then he's—I mean, he's not very good at it. I mean, he's funding HBCUs. He's he's Starting. I mean, he's he's putting he's putting a, he's putting uh, opportunity zones, which are primarily in black communities. I mean, what white supremacist is going to be doing that? Zero. That's not- that's existing policies that have continued. No, not That's, the opportunity zones. The opportunity zones happened during his administration. There were definitely opportunity zones before that, I know, because they did developments. In not the to this extent. Before. No. And the HBCUs. He's, he, I mean, he you know it. more about this than I do, but I can tell you there were definitely mm-hmm. opportunity zones in cities before Trump. Because I... No, I, I don't know if they were called that, but no, they do that. I mean, the federal government, state governments, and local governments do that all the time. Yeah. Are you saying that anybody who votes Republican is tolerant of racism? Absolutely. Agreed. That's bullshit. That's no, not why people not. even voted for Trump in the first place. I mean, yeah, I will concede that, first of all, I mean, I didn't vote for Trump uh, in 2016. I voted for Hillary. I wish I could have taken it back. I think, you know, Hillary is a narcissistic sociopath. But, you know, Trump was just so off the wall. I, I couldn't imagine him winning. And I, I didn't know what he was going to be like as a president. And that's what I was most concerned about. Because And nobody knew. I don't think he knew. But I mean, I, I hate what he tweets. I hate a lot of his rhetoric. It's annoying to listen to. Some of it's, you know, extremely cringeworthy. But from a policy perspective, I can't find a whole lot of issues. What's his policy? He has no philosophy. What's his policy? His policy is, is yeah. basically to try to bring businesses back into the United States. That was his big thing. And, and he's been doing it, except COVID hit. So let, um, let's bring it back to our topic. I mean, it's a great digression. And I mean, obviously, the, everything is running so hot right now. And, and so much is coalescing around Mark. I mean, Mark. <laughs> so much yes, is coalescing exactly around Mark. Oh my God. So much is coalescing around Trump that, um, yeah, I mean, I, it's obvious that, and I'm, I wouldn't be surprised if we go down that path again in this conversation. But one thing, Mark, I wanted to follow back up on that you said, which was, you know, there, in no time soon is the Republican Party going to implode. The I mean, I could be wrong, the, but I think pundits, pundits have been Pundits have been predicting that. As the number of people who it, um, it becomes a more democratic leaning, I mean, I think that it, it, it is as the population shifts and changes, it's becoming a much more democratic leaning um, uh, country. There's gonna, there will have to be a two party system. They're not going to just keep putting up Democrat after Democrat because there are still going to be people who, who, who are like the residuals from the Republican Party. And I mean, I challenge you, do you think that the Whigs thought that the Whig Party would ever come to a screeching halt? Or do you think that, nope. you know, so so it does happen. We have a history of that precise thing happening that as as things get, um, as the political situation and social situation becomes fraught, and I cannot say that this is not a fraught situation that we're in, um, the party, one or another party will, will tend to fall apart and then it will then grow up. I mean, it will always have a two party system, but a second party that's going to change a little bit the complexion 
um, could could happen. So I, I, I disagree with you when you say that ju that's just never going to happen in anytime soon. I, I, I think it could, and I wish it would, because I would like, and that, and this kind of leads into the next, uh, like kind of talking point that I, that I sent out, out is sort of like, I would like an, a party that really addresses my concerns or somebody at least that I can at least vote for and feel good about instead of voting for someone that is the least offensive. How many times have we heard people say, well, I just chose the lesser of the evil? And that's a terrible reason to years. choose a president. Probably for about 250 years we've heard that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think that both parties have such a deep infrastructure uh, and a network throughout the country that they're both destined to stay there uh, probably as long as the country exists. So they, they might be the demise of the country first before either one of them fall to pray to anything yeah all, but all, uh all new movements get folded into one of the two parties right i mean you know yeah I, you know i i think I there's know, a guys. chance there's i think it's chance. going to be interesting we've got those statistics where you've got 40 percent of the population registered as independent right now well i, I think what's more likely is then rather than the republicans sort of folding is that they'll have to find ways to placate the religious right and move center I, I, you know, I don't think they'll have any other choice. Um, think, that's if that's if Biden wins. If Biden, if Trump wins, you know, who, who knows how that'll work? Um, I think, I think it'll exactly. I'm out. Like, <laughs> I think it'll depend on how Canada, the Democrats do in, in the Senate and the Congress. I think the natural balance in this country is going to assert itself as the demographics of the country change and the Republicans start losing members due to just, you know, demographic shifts, that they're going to bleed off a portion of what would naturally be considered the Democrats' uh, constituency. My guess is Hispanics, believe it or not. Mm -hmm. yeah. I agree. I agree. Well, and Black people, I mean, they're, they're, yeah. they're, they're fairly conservative, right? They're religious uh, on, on average. And... Um, I, I Black I mean, communities are as well. Yeah, I, I, I actually, I don't know if Trump's going to win or not. I, I hope that the election ends up being a, a landslide either way. That's all I really care about at this point. If it's yeah. close, then it's going to be chaos. I think, I think he'll, yeah. he, gets, he gets some Hispanic votes. He does get, I mean, he has a very small sliver of the black community that's going to vote for him, in my opinion. But we'll see. I mean, you never know. I think, it'll be, I think it's going to be surprising. I, I, I'm not going to throw a number out there, but I think it's going to be a surprise. Led by Herman Cain, may he rest in peace. Yeah. I, I saw a tweet where uh, they announced the president was tested positive for coronavirus, and somebody showed a screenshot of a Twitter thing that says, Herman Cain likes this. So <laughs> I thought that was... <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I think, the, I think the Republicans will eventually start bleeding off... Uh, it might not be Hispanics; it could be something else. But I think I think probably Hispanic, and they'll 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 maintain their forty percent or whatever it is. But I think your best hope is that one of the parties has a fairly dramatic shift. And honestly, as much as it's generally a bad thing, in order for that to happen, you're going to have to have some cult of personality figure shift the party, right? Because there's no way to do that. Well, we've we've certainly seen that now. You know, Trump of cult has has moved things. I think I think to the extreme. Uh, yeah, but I think the Republican parties will snap back to kind of where they were Bush 1, um no Bush 2 probably um after Trump leaves the scene. Right now they do they're 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 supporting his policies because they're chicken shits, right? Because they know well, 100%. They can't they cannot stand up against him because he'll slaughter them. Yeah. And um, I have a slightly think, different take on that, but I think they're going to correct back towards the center. I mean, I could be wrong, but I think that's what they're going to do. Mike, what's your take on that? Uh, I don't think it's because they're chicken shit. I think they're, it's because they actually want to see where the Trump wave goes, you know, and, and I think that I, I think that they are kind of pigeonholed into it, I, I, but I don't think it's about being chicken shit. I think they're, let, they're letting, they're letting, I think the Democratic Party is. A, I mean, I, I think they're crazy. I mean, personally, I, I mean, I'm like I'm watching what Nancy Pelosi does. I'm watching what Hillary Clinton's doing, who's obviously still ensconced in the leadership of the Democratic Party. You know, like you guys are nuts. I mean, they are crazy. They're saying things that are obviously false that any idiot can go and check. And 
no one really cares. Are, are you, are you, but are you contrasting that with Trump, who has objectively lied more than any president in U.S. history? Uh, yeah, you you do the comparison on the lies. I mean, there's no comparison. It's he Trump lies, and then everyone else. <laughs> he lied about where his dad was born. He can't. <laughs> He's lied about his business practices. No, motherfucker, he wasn't. Here's his birth certificate. He was born in New York, you idiot. But he lied. <laughs> He can't help himself. He is pathological. No, he opens his yeah. mouth and it's a lie. Or he can't yeah. complete a sentence and all he can say is it's a big plan. It's a beautiful plan. It's a great plan. It's a wonderful plan. What was I talking about again? I mean, he can't. He's so. He's, a, he's very cringeworthy. I, I get that. You, you, you oh guys, know, but, but, but here's the thing. I mean, I think Mike, Mike is bringing up a good, a good point. And just because Trump is a liar doesn't mean that other people aren't liars or just because Trump tells oh, no. more lies oh, doesn't no. mean that, that it's that it's okay that that you know I mean Hillary Clinton it's axiomatic, I, it's axiomatic that politicians lie. Of course they do. You're doing it again, Mark. You're sort of yes, saying, you. you know, you're you're sort of saying, well, he's a worse liar. He tells the worst lies and okay, he, okay, fine. He's a he's a he's a terrible liar. So are the others. So you're saying that the lies that Nancy Pelosi tells are okay? It's not no, okay. Not. It's not there, okay. No. And the lies that Hillary Clinton tells, that's not okay. I mean, I think of, I, I really you think, you know, like everybody, hang on, hang on, hang on. Let me finish. He, he, uh, you know what? Trump, Trump's a bad guy. He's a liar. He's a terrible person. The Clintons as a duo, yeah. uh, uh, to me, equally as bad. Equally well, as bad. It's just that- I think, that, I think they're worse. Not, it's Did not you, equivalent Bill Clinton? in the yeah, The Clintons are, I mean, I don't know about Bill, Bill but Hillary is so much worse than Trump. Oh, first of all, no, you got it backwards. Bill is an objectively horrible person, right? Probably, I, I just- He most likely raped at least one person. He sexually harassed uh, his employees. He lied, he, he committed perjury. I mean, he was a- he, he was he was he had potential to be a great president, but he ruined it because he's not a good person. No, um, and you know what he is? He's a great politician. Trump is not a good is. politician. Bill Clinton skates by. I mean, people still now forgive Bill Clinton for everything that he did because Bill Clinton could bite his lip and make himself look like he was self-reflective and and empathetic, and it was all an act. I mean, I can I can sum it up pretty quick why there are so many people in this country, and I know you, you're gonna you sort of tilt toward the white supremacy thing and the racism thing. But one of the reasons why so many people appreciate Trump is because every single other politician out there puts on a fake smile, they'll shake your hand and then stab you in the back as to just look at you. And they, they see that all the time, constantly with yeah. these politicians. You have no idea what they stand for whatsoever. And with Trump, it's, you, this is, you see what you get. I mean, this is who he is. You might hate him. You might, you know, you're not going to want to go out and have a beer with him. And you might not even trust him, but he's not a politician. And that's no, why but, so many people appreciate it. But that's only because he's bad at hiding his ambitions. He's just willing to say crazy shit and he doesn't care about the politics of it or he, he doesn't understand the politics of it. So they think they're getting a genuine I person. I'm trying to figure that out. I'm trying to figure out is he. Is he a just this genius who's, who's just sort of laying bare the he hypocrisy of politics? He's not a stable genius. He's well, no, not. No, no, you know, let me finish. <laughs> let me just finish. It's like, because I, I haven't made up my mind. So he's, he's either a genius. He's, he's All you have to do is read the transcripts of his speeches. <laughs> so on the one hand, is he that? You know, he's sort of figured out how to sort of play the system. Or is he just more Mr. Magoo, who just sort of is who he is and happens into some of this stuff? Okay, so Christina, you were complaining about Clinton's truthfulness. During the 2016 campaign, the primary campaign, PolitiFact actually checks these things, right? They measure it. They, they take all the candidates' statements and they rate them as true or false. And guess who had the highest rating of truthful statements? And this is with Bernie Sanders in the race, by the way, who I think is an honorable, decent guy, right? Hillary Happy Clinton policy, but yeah. higher truthfulness rating than Bernie Sanders. I'm sorry, say that again? Hillary Clinton had a higher truthfulness rating than Bernie Sanders. I remember I that. that oh. and, and that and that may be, and that's all fine and good. Great. She's still, good. she's still a liar. What matters also is the substance of the lie. 
You know, it's not just it's not the number of lies; it's the substance of the lie. I think also part of part of the issue is we have people that are involved. Like I, I would love for Hillary to just go retire, stay out of politics, stay please. out of the DNC. Absolutely, please do not show your face anywhere near the election. Right, a hundred percent. Um, I also believe that we need term limits, you know, these mm -hmm. career, you know, politicians, you know, and, and they literally, and same with Supreme Court justices, right? RBG, we wouldn't have uh, an opening. I loved her. Um, but we wouldn't have that, that opening if, if she had retired when Obama talked to her about it. If he did it before the year of the election. Right. Yeah. And it was, it was earlier on. And, um, and then you have, you know, Diane Feinstein of California and she is what, 163. I mean, good Rock. Lord, <laughs> why is she still a Senator? I mean, go into the night and retire. And, and I know it's crazy. I understand the, the, the uh, instinct to support term limits. I'm just not positive that it's going to give you the consequences that you intend. I think you can still, I, I think to speak to that though, Mark, you can, I mean, you can, so, okay, you allow them to have more than, you know, two, four-year terms, but, you know, do we want to have people who keep doing this until they are beyond the point of retirement? Do you want to put a cap on that? Do you want to put a... We have democracy, right? If the people don't want a 90-year-old senator don't vote are, for him are you kidding you're you because the thing is those people who have been there forever and are 900 years old have so many they are they are so Definitely. funded they have so right. funded they are so funded they, it would be almost impossible for someone new and fresh to unseat but them. it happens i mean look at aoc he, it there's happens. a decent there's a decent chance lindsey graham's getting kicked out of his seat this year yeah well I'll leave that not, when I not, see it. Not a sure thing, but Lady G could be going, right? It could be going. Now, you're right. It is hard because uh, incumbents have a baked-in advantage. They definitely do. They have the financing uh, apparatus, right? They have the support of their party. Uh, they have high visibility. They definitely have advantages. And, I mean, that's just – that's how the system works. Um, maybe and, and I think – and I think for, you know, creating policy and knowing the system and knowing how to write laws and how to get things through, you can, the senior senators and congressmen and women should be teaching the juniors, right? And so that you, that is the hope, right? That they learn the process, that they do this and that they, they go in and they pick up the baton and, and carry on. I'm going to back you up, Mark. I, I think the unintended consequences is something you have to be concerned about. And one, one of the things that sort of crossed my mind, I don't know if it would be a consequence, but I think it's something to think about is having some uh, institutional knowledge in the government besides the presidency is actually, I think, a good thing when you have at least a few, if not a lot, of congressmen or senators who've been there for a couple of decades to counterbalance any new, what Mark would like to say, you know, um, cult of personality. Yeah. So let's say you, you do get a cult of personality that, that you know, I don't see, I don't think Trump's a tyrant, but I mean, in case you do get one in and you get uh, you know someone who is tyrannical and has that kind of charisma to move people, you're going to want some institution, some people who have been in the government for a while to say, yeah, no, we, we can't really let this go on. Yeah, we do definitely have term limits, you know, in this country for presidents, and that was deliberate. So maybe it does make some sense to have some term limits somewhere else, but I don't know. I mean, I don't think a single senator is so powerful that having them only serve two terms or whatever it is, is that crucial to the country that it's worth losing, you know, someone who might be decent, who is there for 25 years. I don't know. I mean, I think that, like Mike said, I think the, the unintended consequences could be fairly serious if we have a fresh batch of people every four, two, four, six years. Here's the thing. In order to get things done in Washington, you have to have the relationships. It, 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 you have to have relationships. Well, nothing's getting done right now because the relationships on, on either side of the aisle have broken down. It works better if you have relationships 
in 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 your um on on both sides of the aisle. That's how it works best. But right now, it's just so divided. They don't have it, so it doesn't matter that they've been there for nine hundred years. They they can't work those relationships anymore. I think that they you know there is something to be said for someone who has deep relationships and can and can and can work you know, politically the way that they're supposed to, to get things done. But maybe, maybe that, maybe that system is, is not, maybe the, a fresh approach would be good. Maybe, maybe it would be okay to have, have term limits and to have people who have to make quick, quicker decisions. And, you know, I don't know that this, this slow, slow, slow approach, is this effective right now? Is, is this, a, is if, this, if a, if a, only thus. In, in what sense, like effective well, doing to what? What's getting done? Nothing. What is honestly getting done? Nothing is getting done. And honestly, Good. some people are okay with that. Good. Yeah, see, I'm, okay with that. I'm like, you know, I, the federal government is so powerful. I, I want it to be as ineffective as possible. And, yeah. I mean, that's that's one no of the biggest issues. It's, it's one, and that's one of the issues I have with the left is like they don't want to make the, the, the government even bigger and bigger and bigger. I'm like, what do you think that's going to do? The, the bigger you make the government, the, the more – interest, money interests are going to have in that government, and the more influence they're going to try to have over that government. God, is it even possible for them to have more influence than they do right now? Yeah. Maybe. <laughs> a little. Look at, look, look at Russia. Yeah, well, that's true. Uh, yes, uh, so well, I know I can... to be prime minister, so I'll be president and move all the powers from prime minister to president. Lori, <laughs> yeah. yeah, what were you going to say? I can say as, you know, a Democrat is that I don't want bigger government. In fact, I would like to take a look at the budget and have a red pen for it. Yeah. You know, but, but. that's another reason why I hate both both parties is that you know, particularly the Republicans are complete liars when it comes to the budget. It's like we need smaller government. We spend too much. And every time they get it's like they just keep increasing it. It's like, and you know, the last time that we had a a, a no deficit was during the Clinton administration, you know, and you've got the yeah, Republicans sure. who are like, oh, well, you know, we got to have uh, tax breaks for the top so that it trickles down. Well, trickle down economics has never worked. All right, Christine, are you ready for this? Oh, that's, that's, oh my God. Are we going to do something with white nationalism again? No, I hope. <laughs> but almost as controversial. First of all, Christina is pretty familiar with the workings of Washington since she actually uh, worked for a filthy lobbyist for quite some time. <laughs> yeah. I, well, I don't know Part if it system. was quite some time. It was, it was way too long for the very brief amount of time that I worked for this particular lobbyist. Lori, Lori is familiar with the lobbyist. Oh, yes. <laughs> like you have to deal with governments all the time, right? I mean, for your initiatives, et cetera, you guys are dealing with, I'm sure, federal and city and State. Mostly, it's mostly DC politics, and I call yeah, them micro politics. Yeah, that's not, a well-run not, city. Not so much. I mean, it, it was actually in a way, in a kind of a perverse way. It was kind of fun. I mean, I kind of enjoyed yeah. part of parts of it. But um, no, I've been involved in a couple uh, initiatives that li literally evaporated when there became a new mayor. Yeah. And so it's like every time you have a change of the guard, and one of the issues in in, in DCPS and the uh, the DC public school system was. They had so many different superintendents. They, they just couldn't get anything done. Are you ready for my controversy? Okay. Yes. The U.S. budget deficit does not matter that much. Yeah, I wondered about that. It does. It's. It's not. It doesn't matter that much. People have well, always. So. So the U.S. government people <coughs> have a tendency to think of it like their household finances, right? That I can't spend more than I make. That's stupid. Right? So why is the government doing that? Well, the government has fiat currency. It prints its own money. Right? There's no way the government can ever default on any debt unless they really want to. And everybody makes these dire predictions about the deficit, right? If this happens, there's going to be mass inflation. If this happens, the U.S. will default on its debt payments. But the U.S. government spending is only limited by the size of the U.S. economy. Now, could you spend? Could you have a deficit of a quadrillion dollars? No, because the U.S. economy is not that big. It can't absorb that. The velocity of money can't account for that. But people get upset. They're like, oh, my God, they're just printing money. Yes, they are. That's how fiat currency works. But unless the economy is demanding that money, 
it just sits there. It doesn't do anything. Well, the, 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 issue, the issue, you don't really have to look much further than Venezuela to, to understand that when you print too much money, <laughs> you get hyperinflation. But, but that's because their economy shrunk because they right. were entirely reliant on fossil fuels. Well, they, and they managed that poorly and they, they course, didn't manage yeah. the rest of their economy and they had debt. But, but we have a huge diversified <laughs> economy, biggest in the world. Maybe It's not, not even right. just that. No, we, we are. I've, I've tried to learn about this because I was really terrified of all these, uh, you know, these, this, all this money printing that was going on. I'm like, this is this is crazy. But uh, and I'm, I'm glad they did it because obviously a lot of people really needed it and it's sort of keeping things afloat for now. But <clears throat> the concern was out there. And I tried to learn about why is that not such an issue? And Mark, you're right. It, it has a lot to do with the size of the economy. We have a really a truly massive economy. And when you look at the debt as compared to the economy, it, it's really not that big of a deal. And But it, it does become a concern. Right now, interest rates are zero. And so the concern is, you know, if and when the economy starts uh, firing up again, you'll have upward pressure on, on uh, trying to keep inflation down. And when you have that pressure uh, on inflation and the Fed's going to want to try to keep inflation down, interest rates go up. And that's what happens with the debt. So now that debt all of a sudden was so big, becomes really, really expensive. And then you're going to, that means you got to print more and more money to be able to pay off those debts. Now, the one last thing that actually uh, is keeping us safe is that we are the, uh, I forget the term now, but we're the world's currency. There's a oh, yeah, yeah. What is that term? Reserve. We're the reserve currency we're for the, the world. Reserve currency of the world. And, and so that that yeah, so everybody wants dollars, and so yeah. that keeps us safe as well. But if that ever changes, and, and and it coincides with you know an upward pressure on on uh, inflation, you know that means we're going to have to start tightening belts. That means we're going to have to start paying down this debt. And if we were smart, that's what we would be focusing on, right? Is making sure that the U.S. economy stays dominant. And that means cooperating with Europe, not fighting with Europe, right? Actually, I disagree. Do you, you think the euro has any chance of displacing us? No, 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 no. Uh, you know, this is, and I, I don't understand the nuances well enough to be able to explain it. But, <clears throat> you know, I, I think Trump actually sees this as an issue and is trying to strengthen the dollar as a reserve currency. And that's why he took on that fight with, China. I mean, that was another thing I was concerned about. Like, you know, especially from Trump, a trade war with China. Are you nuts? But you know, the more I read about it, the more I'm sort of beginning to understand and I've seen the effects that actually might have been a smart thing to do. And it might help stave off China's efforts to become the reserve currency. We, I do. We, I actually we, do understand what, you know, Trump was trying to accomplish, you know, and and I don't think that that was wrong. I think it was the way he went about it. Because he doesn't know what the fuck he's doing. I mean, that's the, that's the problem. I, right? I, I just, but I don't see that. He doesn't know what the fuck. I guarantee he doesn't understand international currency even a little bit, right? I don't think he understands. I disagree. That. Nope. I, that, I mean, that is that. I'm sure. I'm sure he understands international. He's an international he, business. He understands. But he barely understands real estate, and that's his whole job, right? That's his main job. Believe me, I was in the real estate industry. I understand what makes a good property and a bad property. I understand how to manage your NOI in a property and how to manage your debt in a property. And he does not. I, I, I'm sure you understand if I'm not taking every word as golden from, from well, me. Because you know. <laughs> <laughs> there's, no there's no bias from you whatsoever. No, no. Don't want the fact that I'm wearing a Germany. Mark believes it. <laughs> Sway you in any way. This is just going to be. This is. I'm going to just call it. It was supposed to be. I hate both parties, but we just hate Trump. Um, yeah. But, no, no. <laughs> Trump. He just dislikes Trump. But um, I mean, what would what what would be an ideal? What would be an ideal if you could have? If let's say the the Republican Party, let's let's just say it goes the way of the Whigs or you know any number of of the Federalists or who you know whoever else, which whichever other party has disintegrated over time. Let's say that that does happen. 
what what does the what, there will be a second party that that rises up because as mark pointed out we have to have we have to have a two party system because that's the way that our that our, that our our system works so what does the what was would your ideal party look like mike do mike, you want to start may me, me oh um <laughs> You know, I guess I don't think of it in, in, in sort of those terms. I mean, I, my ideal party is a, is a group that's not tied to the, the political industrial complex. But, uh, you know, you, that's just a sort of an impossibility because you, you have to get ensconced in all that in order to develop the infrastructure and the network to be able to, to, to make it a national politics. I guess I think of more of in terms is, you know, I think about third parties and yeah, I get I get frustrated with the third parties because what they, they go they seem to want to go right into throwing in a presidential candidate, and that always seemed really bizarre because they, didn't, they obviously don't have the networks and the infrastructure to put forward a decent candidate and to to even have any hope of winning. And I know usually it's sort of they put them out there to sort of move the needle a little bit or have an influence one or whatever, just move the conversation, and, and that's all fine. But I think if there's ever going to be a third party, at least. Um, you know, they, they really have to start from the ground up. They have to begin to, to develop their national networks from uh, just state level, local level politics, uh, create some kind of collaborative brand. You know, it's not going to be the Green Party. It's not going to be the Libertarian Party. It's going to be some amalgamation where you have uh, probably a limited platform that's fairly centrist that begins to pilfer some of the more centrist um, politicians from uh, the Democratic Party and the Republicans. I'm actually very much in alignment with Mike on this as well. And the first thing that I thought of when you asked the question is that I want uh, a party that is more centrist, uh, middle of the road and common sense. I think we've lost a lot of the common sense, you know, in our country and certainly in politics. And so, um, and I do believe, uh, you know, 100% agree that you can't just say, okay, here's my candidate, let's go, that it has to infiltrate, you know, throughout the, um, you know, your communities and your states, and then, you know, move up eventually to higher levels. And it just needs to become a stronger force. You know, you've got that, that percentage, that high percentage of people who are registered independent and yet what are they doing with that right you know there there isn't anything that we really see from that at this point but i i'm hopeful that we will so for me my my ideal would have to come as a result of one of the other parties falling apart as has happened in the past mark snedeker so don't just shake your head and say no it's never going to happen again Two hundred years ago, very devastating to everybody. Yes, well, it, it it happens. Um, most recently, at the time of the Civil War. So anyway, could happen. Just saying. So if if um, if the Republican Party would would implode, you would have some fringe right wing people who would go and do their thing. They wouldn't really get very far because generally, they're not acceptable to people. Is that the white nationalists? Yeah. It would be the fuck. I I hesitated to use the word, but yes. Um, and then um, I think that the, the, the left, the Democratic Party would shift further, more to, further left to the, the progressive side, but there would be centrist Democrats who would want to jump that ship. And then the people who were more centrist, centrist Republicans would be looking for some place to go. And that's the party that would, would come up. And then it would be a common sense, exactly what, what Laura and Mike kind of have talked about, a, a more common sense driven centrist um, centrist party. So that would be that would be my ideal. So I think the idea that there's going to be an uprising of centrism to make a new party is it's an interesting idea, possibly a good idea, will never happen. Shut up, it's, it will too. It's hard to say, hey guys. <laughs> Come sit on this fence with me, right? I mean, it's easy no, it's to energize, yeah. it's easy to energize uh, extremists, right? Oh my God, well, it's easy, Mark, because that makes it, it, may, it looks really sexy, but the majority of people are in the middle of the bell curve. That's right. And guess what? The majority of people are fine just you know, like, I'm in the middle. The you majority know, of people have lives. That's the thing, yeah. you know. Yeah. Yeah. Extremes. Like, <laughs> it's true. Extremes are like, I, you know, I don't have a life anyway, so I'm just going to go ahead. <laughs> 
Like Democrats seem okay. I guess I'll vote for them. Oh, next year. Well, I like that Reagan guy, whatever. I'll vote Republican. I don't think that's a passionate, they're very, and with the current company accepted, there are very few passionate centrists. So I think that in order for there to be any change, hoping for a new party is probably not the right direction. I think what you have to do is do uh, mechanical changes to the way politics is funded. And that's, I know Mike is, you know, very focused on the money in politics. You have to legislate some money, not, you can't get all the money, but some money out of politics. And you can't do it apparently by just saying you can't, you can't give money to campaigns if you're a company. But what you may be able to do is publicly fund campaigns and therefore yeah, removing at least I mean, I know you don't like that because that's a big government thing. Well, but. I'm not opposed to it, but you know, the, the, the issue is, is that we have this sticky thing called the Constitution, the Bill of Rights, and, and it tends to get in the way of legislating yeah. this stuff. Or, you know, so I, I don't, I don't have a good answer to be honest. It's one of the things I complain about, and I hate people who complain about stuff without answers. But I'm, afraid <laughs> I'm guilty here. Like, but I mean, that's why the philosopher king may be a really good solution, right? Because he's just a monarch and he's, you know, super brilliant and, you know, he'll make the right decisions and uh, we'll just Yeah, go they're easy it. to find. They're, yeah, yeah. yeah that's, that's, <laughs> what could go wrong? <laughs> I mean, can I talk to you about history, please? I mean, how long do you have? How, oh, how long are you going to you give me your little, oh, Hitler, oh, Stalin speech? I mean, okay, that's well, just oh a God, recent How long do you think it would take? Imagine if Bernie Sanders actually won the presidency and, you know, there's this sort of left progressive that actually moves, you know, government policy, tr truly socialist. What's, what's one of the first things you, and let's say they do it within a year or two. What, what's one of the first things you think is going to happen? He will die in some mysterious death and <laughs> someone else will rise to the position. Right. Because the, the federal government will be so freaking powerful it will attract the worst of the worst and the most brilliant of the most brilliant. Maybe. And I mean, yeah. that's how it happens. But but how come that doesn't happen in Europe? What, what are you like talking it's about? never happened? It's no, never I'm happened not. in Europe? <laughs> Clearly Europe. I think I can come up with a few examples. Problems in that area, <laughs> right? World War II, World War One, whatever. So. Christina. Yes. Where are we going from here? What's our uh, solution? Well, I, 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 those were my three talking points, and we've covered them. So I mean, I don't know. We, 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 you, you tell me where are we going from here? You're the producer. Come up with a. Oh, for God's bit. sake! It's always the pressures on me. Well, how about white nationalism? I mean, I don't feel like we have. Um, white well, nationalism bad. Hey, um, everyone, we have to wrap up. But um, Mike and Lori, thank you very much for coming on. We really appreciate it. We hope that you'll join us again. Well, Mike, we are definitely going to be upcoming. We're going to have an episode, another episode um, with the subject that you suggested on critical race theory, and that'll be coming up in November. So we really appreciate the ideas. And um, I hope you guys had a fun time joining us. We certainly enjoyed having you guys. And thank you very much. <laughs> Okay, so that was a fun that was a fun episode. Mark, I really enjoyed having Laura and Mike join in on our conversation. Well, they were wonderful. They, weren't they? were outstanding. They did a great job. No, seriously, they did a great job. Um, so we really appreciate having you guys on. Thanks very very much. And now let's do our, let's do our look. Social. Don't even start. Let's do our social media. This has just been. We have an we somehow. Have a, <laughs> we recorded some shit as we so often do, and then I got up for a second, and came back, and the entire laws of physics of the universe had changed, and all of a sudden we were picking up this horrible echo, and then we adjusted some stuff, and then all of a sudden my microphone stopped working, and now. If you could see this room, there are like random towels and blankets attached to the wall and hanging over my microphone. I look like an old timey photographer, like I should shoot some flash powder and take a picture. And honestly, the entire room looks like a goddamn Dr. Seuss book right now. There's like towels and strings and flotsam and jetsam everywhere. And uh, I'm about at my uh, wits end here. Oh
So anyway, social media. We probably have some. I don't know. <laughs> we have a Facebook. It's extemporaneous with an X. Yeah, that's the one. Uh, we have an Instagram. Uh, maybe I'll put a picture of this uh, abomination of a studio up someday. Uh, it's uh, at extemporaneous pod. I'm not even going to do my spelling joke. I'm so mad. <laughs> He's done. If you want to email us. If you want to email us, you know what? About sound Just don't. Just don't even email us. <laughs> I don't want to hear about it. Extemporaneouspod at gmail.com. Okay? Unless you have like, some good meatloaf recipes or something. Thanks, you guys. We really appreciate you coming back every week to listen to us. Bye. I said good day. Wow. By the way, Mike, Pietna Bradka. I think uh, that's no going Because that was the one phrase that I learned when I went to Prague. It means a uh, nice goatee. <laughs> that's, that's the phrase? That's the what phrase what were you doing in Prague? I, I don't, what, I don't yeah, know. What, what was happening know. in Prague, Mark? Do you, do you have anything Ask you need brother. to share? Ask your brother. You were, you were complimenting yeah, men so. on their goatees? Wow. I work in an industry where um, I have a lot of con- contact with um, with growers. And so where you referenced, you know, the, the people doing the back-breaking work. And, and I, work in, I work in that... I work in that industry. I'm not a drug dealer. What the hell? 